Welcome to Marin Costello Radio, where we have intentional conversations with impactful people, your weekly dose of motivation, inspiration, and entrepreneurship. Join me as we explore the ins and outs of building and running a business, interview leaders across all industries, and find the common denominator beneath it all. This is Marin Costello Radio. Friends, we have such an epic guest on the show today. Michael Razney is a certified gemologist, a third-generation jeweler at Razney Jewelers, and the co-founder and CEO of the software called Crystal. Michael is an expert in both operational effectiveness in retail and how to grow a luxury retail company, all while revolutionizing inventory management tech through Crystal. After dealing with multiple frustrations with outdated inventory management software for his family jewelry business, Michael, along with co-founder and CTO Joel Steinbaugh, created Crystal, and it was an instant success, changing the way business is done at Razney Jewelers and quickly spreading to other stores in Chicago. It is now the go-to inventory management software for multiple flagship luxury stores in New York and Los Angeles, including Material Good and Polachex Jewelers. As a young entrepreneur, Michael has flipped the script on the old ways of doing business in the luxury retail space and wants to share his wealth of knowledge with others as he carries on his family's legacy. Michael, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Of course. How is your day going so far? It's good. It's good. It's always a busy day, but uh, you know, happy to be here and, and talk through a few things. I love it. What is a day in the life for you? I imagine every day is a little different, but... Yeah, every day really is a scramble. So, you know, we're a fully remote company. So we have people from New York to LA, um, you know, East Coast to West Coast. And so we're across four different time zones. So sometimes I might start my day 7 a.m., 8 a.m. And sometimes it might be a little later before things really get rocking. Um, but typically my week is different. So Mondays is when I start out going through with each of my team members in different departments. And we break down like what's going to happen throughout the week. And then typically my mornings are more like me time until I get into stand up with my development team. And then we'll cycle through like clients and demos throughout the rest of the day. So how do you balance your time between Razney Jewelers and Crystal? So most of the time right now I'm full-time with Crystal and I'm involved at a high level with my family's business. That's awesome. How long did that transition take? So that, since we started the company, about two years. I went full-time on Crystal in January. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. So one of the questions that we like to always ask on our show to give a full spectrum of the humans that we interview is, uh, the humans that we interview are, is tell us about little Michael. As a kid? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as a kid, I mean, I was, uh, I was a very, very bad kid. Um, <laughs> I was like always, um, you know, jumping off of things, getting in trouble. I was in the hospital all the time. Um, and as I kind of grew up, I was just a rule breaker. I just could not like conform to what other people were doing or the rules that were like set in front of me. So that was kind of like um, my early days. And then I was always actually from a young age, flipping things, trying to make money. Um, my mom actually just told me a story that I totally forgot about, but I went to a movie night uh, at my first grade class and I brought pillows and blankets. And what I did is I actually sold out space for the pillows and blankets. And then I used that money to buy up all the candy, waited for the candy to sell out. And I flipped the candy oh and I come goodness. home and I'm counting like $150. And my mom's like, 
where did you get that? I was like, at the movie night. She's like, what? <laughs> oh my gosh, that's amazing. How old were you then? Um, so it was first grade. I mean, I think I was like, what is that, like seven or eight, maybe something like that. That's amazing. I imagine that's a mixture of nature and nurture. Yeah. I mean, I grew up with my dad. He was always a businessman. So like, as I, you know, aged, all those conversations were happening and I just started to understand more and more of what was going on. And it was almost like subliminal. So yeah. That's amazing. Did you know that you always wanted to be an entrepreneur or is it so in your blood that it was inevitable? Yeah, it's a kind of an interesting thing. Um, basically, I thought I was going to stay in the jewelry business my entire life. And I always had a big ambition. So mm -hmm. I always wanted to grow the business and make it bigger um, and continue to do that. But I guess I could say after college, right at the end of college, I just like a big mental shakeup, you could say. And it made me like reevaluate what I wanted to do. Um, and I actually traveled to Asia for three months solo backpacking. And I met a man making $400 a year that could barely feed his family. And I just really wanted to get into something that could potentially impact more people. And that's when I started um, an ed tech product um, that we started to build and eventually led me to build um, meet Joel Steinbaugh, my co-founder for Crystal. And as I've just went through that progression, like I've learned that the most important thing as a startup is going to be resources. So if you want to change the world, first garner those resources, and then you can start to get things that become more impactful. If you don't have any resources, you really can't do anything. That's so, that's so enlightened. Um, and so <laughs> what was your next step after that? Yeah. So the education products, what had happened is, um, so we built three products. Um, the second one is when I met Joel and I started to work with him. Um, and basically for the financing we raised for that company, um, the product we were on at that point was a project management system for higher ed, like group projects. And we were running out of cash and we couldn't monetize it enough to keep going. So we tried to reposition the product in a different market, which would be like, independent small businesses, not niche necessarily for jewelry, but anyone. So we had put it in the stores. And basically what happened was I had created a vitamin and they were enjoying the product, but it was a vitamin. And, and they had asked me to build the painkiller, which was fix my inventory management system. I want to be able to find product fast. And this is where Joel and I did some testing. And we started to put together a product that basically reshaped product catalog within the stores. And once we had that app out, we were inputting the inventory um, from our current system into the, the system we created every night. And basically after about three, four weeks, the salespeople in all the stores were like, you cannot take this away from me. Like, I don't know how to use the old system anymore. Like, this is so easy. It's so much better. Um, and that's where Joel and I kind of came to the conclusion, okay, we need to build a full solution for this. So we dissolved the other company and then uh, we started to build Crystal. And eventually we incorporated in January, 2021 with our seed uh, pre-seed funding that we did for 400K. That's amazing. So prior to that, had you raised money? I've raised money previously for the ed tech companies, but smaller, <laughs> um, more like the most we raised was 200K. So for someone who's looking to build a product and would need to raise money, what would their first steps be? So the first thing that I would do, um, everybody wants to build product right away when they don't 
have like a confirmation on the problem that they're solving first. Like mm-hmm. having Joel on my team and, and as my co-founder, we are able to put together products. But when I was first starting, I made some key mistakes where I put my own 50 grand into my first company and I lost all that money. You know, I dissolved that company. And that was a key mistake. Like I could have easily done some initial testing on how to build product or like find solution or find potential solutions to problems before having to build anything. And so I think everybody wants to rush to building the product when first they need to figure out like, is this that broken leg problem that a light, easy solution will really like change the way people are are going about their day to day. I have so many questions. My mind is like rushed with so many things to ask you. I'm like, which one do I ask him first? So with Crystal, you're working with inventory management specifically to jewelry brands or to jewelry Mm -hmm. stores. stores. Do do you see yourself expanding into different like other like types of businesses or are you specifically just about jewelry stores? Yeah. So kind of um, tying it back to what I mentioned before about resources. Once you garner resources, Sources, you can kind of wedge your way into whatever you want to. Um, the biggest thing is to get your toe in the door and establish like a sustainable business. So like for us, what we want to do is really grow the product in retail here in the jewelry space and, you know, fundamentally like own the space and then move either vertically or horizontally. We haven't determined what the market's going to take um, like faster yet. So whatever's going to take the, the fastest amount of velocity one way or the other, that's where we want to go. Um, And we just want to continue to innovate with the process that we have in place today and really change what point of sale and inventory management means for a retail store, whether that is jewelry or other luxury brands um, or companies. But we just haven't gotten far enough along to make that determination yet. What does your team look like? So we have, with all of us, there's 12 so there's me and my co-founder, and then we have um, head of implementation, marketing, product. We have customer success, sales, and then we have quite a few engineers. It's amazing. What would the end goal be for Crystal? For us, you know, it's like um, you really want to keep going as long as you can. If you can keep getting high, you know, triple digit growth. Um I would say like, as long as we're getting that and we're keep pushing it up, like we're going to keep doing that. Once you get someone into your funnel, how do you continue to make them a repeat customer? Is that possible? Are you guys innovating on the products like so frequently that there's there's opportunities for people to continue purchasing from you? Or is it just like a monthly fee? Yeah, so we operate on a SaaS fee, um, but we do deployments every two weeks. And so for each one of those, you know, I'm heavily involved with my head of product, with the client and the consumer. So like, we're always talking to the people that we service. Um, they know I'm very involved, even as the CEO, I'm on all the sales calls and I'm still very deep in product so that we can get a really fundamental understanding of not only what, where we came from, which is what my family's needs were, but what other jewelers needs are too, that might do more custom or have some amount of, um, need for like parcels and Melly. And then we build out the, um, (laughs) the, um, tech that's required to, to curate that type of product. What is the, the coolest request that you've ever gotten? The most interesting request you've ever gotten from a client and also the most bizarre request you've ever gotten from a client. Well, 
I think mostly it's me having to tone down what I think we should make because <laughs> I can get like real crazy. And I'm like, I, I already know whenever I've been working with Joel for so long now that whenever I get these ideas, like I just see him already trying to figure out how to turn it into code. And sometimes I just come up with things that he's like, oh my gosh, this is, this is hard. <laughs> That's so funny. So you said every two weeks, there's something new that you're offering your clients. Yeah. So we run in sprints. Um, when we started, we used to do a lot of hot fixes and Joel was actually, you know, he built the product from scratch himself. So he really built a whole independent um, inventory management software point of sale system alone, which is really crazy. And then we had another engineer and then some other people, um, some contractors join, and then we were always doing hot fixes. So now we're actually, um, operating much more structured where we do two week sprint cycles. So basically we do planning where we'll bring in tickets, um, which are basically like descriptions of features that need to be added. And then they do, um, like a t-shirt sizing story points, um, to the ticket. And so we'll determine, okay, this is one, one point, two point, five point, eight point, twelve point. And depending on how many points it is, that's how we determine how many tickets we can get done. And then we try to push those out consistently every two weeks. Going back to the early, the early years, quote unquote, of Crystal, um, how long was it just you and Joel? How did you know when to hire your first person and who was that person that you hired first? Yeah. So our first product, we went through 18 months of development where Joel was really building the initial MVP himself. And what had really happened, um, we launched in my family's business and it was not a full product. They had a lot of problems and like Razney Jewelers is a large business. So it was like a big issue. And uh, after about two months, um, you know, we were into some deep conversations about like, okay, this is what we need to get done in this amount of time before we hit season. Cause we launched in September. It was now like October, end of October. And we had like one month to get, you know, what's going to be needed for really December, really like three weeks. And we we're like, okay, we need to add like one more engineer. Um, and that's where we actually added, um, we found Emin Ozondak, who's still on the team today. And he's a contractor for the system for um, Crystal. And he is still not technically an employee, um, but he works with us regularly. And then after that, our first first employee is Emily Lawless, who is still with the team. And she's head of uh, client success. And she really knows the product well. So we actually hired um, somebody that's not an engineer first to handle the inbound requests we were getting to basically manage all of the support. Is your business mostly referral or how do you get new clients? Yeah. So initially we did a lot of like very refined testing and this is where we're in a pretty big transition period right now. So we went from um, you know, going through an MVP, okay, can we actually build a product that functions in this space, which we did. And then we moved into a place where, okay, we were like, okay, can we confirm like what the business model like is going to look like? And when we did that, I was doing small samples of um, like sales. So I would go like, okay, I'm going to pitch to like 30 people. How many can I get to convert? And so once we figured out those metrics, um, that's when we raised our seed round of financing for 3 million. And from there, now we're moving into a place where we are trying to get a repeatable model. So those initial ones that we did to answer your question on referrals, 
was a lot of like my own contacts, people that I know in the space that I can get a really tight, narrow sample size and kind of control what it is. Now, since we've raised the financing, we need to get it repeatable where I'm not going and doing those warm intros. And what we're trying to do is um, basically set up the model today so we can scale the business. What I find so fascinating about your career is that what you studied maps to a version (laughs) of what you're doing and what you've done prior with your family jewelry business. So can you walk through your education and what you actually studied to lead you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I studied um, business management at the University of Arizona. So I went through Eller um, and I graduated from that. And then I went directly to GIA pretty much like a few months later. But it's kind of interesting because I went into education because that's where I had ideas. And that's where really I really cut my teeth in software. And I had no idea what I was doing, but it's so funny that I came back to jewelry because what I've seen time and time again is the most successful startups are people that are in the space that lead the space to build a company and solve really their own problems and something that they understand really, really well. And my biggest problem in education was never being able to build a product that people wanted to use. We had good usage but I didn't understand the space well enough to monetize it. And so when I'm coming back into this space, product is so much easier than it was back in those days, getting college kids to like come and meet me for coffee at Starbucks to get like product feedback was so much more difficult than like now I speak the language. I know the problems that they give to me. I don't have to like dive into their psyche on like why they want to do what they want to do. I already know that. And so it's made the process so much easier. That's amazing. Let's talk about Razney Jewelers and working with family. Um, When you and I first met, I mentioned that I also come from a long line of entrepreneurs and a lot of family businesses, but I actually didn't work with my family. Um, I just observed it all and then started my own company. What are the family dynamics within the business and how did you navigate working with people that you're so close to both personal and professional? Yeah. I mean, I have a huge amount of respect for my dad. My dad worked like just a dog his whole life. Um, You know, he built the house we grew up in because, you know, he wanted to. (laughs) And he used to, you know, get to the house at 3 a.m. and then go to the stores at 7, get home at 11. And he was just a worker. And so, you know, I saw that at a young age. And as I got more formally involved in the business, um, you know, so much of him is in me as just a leader and somebody that you know, wants to run a business. And so I would say that having those different fundamental views on like what, where the company should be going or how you can get there can make you butt heads. Um, so that's always interesting. And I've left now twice my family's business and coming back into it. So each, each time that I leave, you know, we get into this different place of, you know, working together, but not trying to run the same company. And Um, It's really interesting. I can lean on him for what I'm doing, especially in this space now, as opposed to education. And, you know, he leans on me, like, how should I handle this? Like, what do you think about this? Um, You know, we're always going back and forth with each other. I'm helping him, you know, edit an email or get some different type of like verbiage out that he might want. And then, you know, I'm going to him. Does this pricing work? Would you pay for this? Can you like do a demo? 
with one of my team members and, and see how they do it, you know, like, so it just depends. And it, it's, it's always really great. And now that we're in the same space, it's been working really well. So you feel like you've, you've found your sweet spot. Yeah. I, I mean, I definitely as well have matured as a person. Um, you know, when I was 23 years old trying to run a company and my dad's like been running a company for 35 years and he's like, you're just wrong. <laughs> and he's, he's at the same time. Right. Um, it's, it's tough. And now, you know, I'm, I'm been doing it for about seven years. Um, my own thing and I've seen the struggles and I've been through, you know, the problems that come up and it doesn't always work out. And, you know, it's really hard to make a hundred grand by yourself. Like I get it now and I didn't before. And I think, you know, having that maturity and, and growth has helped our relationship together. I'm sure you've seen your family's business go through ebbs and flows, whatever that might look like. How have you guys as a unit or how have you observed pivoting? Yeah, well, in the stores, um, I think the hardest time for us was really like 08 because, you know, with the crash, not as many people were buying luxury goods. But my dad is something else. You know, he's really is a miracle worker. And, you know, when he needs to make numbers, he makes it happen somehow. He gets something sold. And that's always been something that I admire about him. Um, he can always come up with a solution and figure it out. And so when I am, you know, running this company and trying to figure it out, whatever it is, like we're going to get deals and we're going to do whatever we need to get it done. Um, and so I really have taken that from him. But I would say we've never really had so much of a downdrop because he's just this miracle worker. It's crazy. That's amazing. I was going to ask secondarily, how did you see things change during the pandemic and post pandemic? Yeah. I mean, you know, the pandemic has been great for the jewelry industry. Um, luxury goods are on the rise. Uh, right. We're seeing with a lot of the brands, the watches and such, we're seeing way, um, you know, three, four five to 10 times on some models of watches. And on the jewelry side of things, you know, we've seen quite a few price increase, increases that took place between 2020 and 2021. So, you know, if you were going in buying diamonds in early um, 2020, when the pandemic was happening, and then you were like doubling down while people were backing away, you know, you made up a lot on the upswing of the economy. And so, you know, it, it's if you played it well, as we did, um, it's it's been very rewarding. You mentioned when we first met about the experience of Verazni Jewelers and speaking to a high-end clientele, can you walk us through, kind of paint the picture of the experience that you offer to your clients? Yeah. So, I mean, I think it really comes back to how we treat everyone in the store and that's how you find an actual like high-end luxury, um, high-profile client. Uh, we treat everyone that comes into the store with the highest amount of respect. Um, you know, the guy with the sweatpants that comes in and is looking at a $250,000 watch, well, he might not look like he can afford it. And then next thing you know, he's like, yeah, I'll wire you tomorrow. And, you know, that's the guy that's worth four or 500 million and he's on his day off with his kid. And so it's the same thing that you get when, um, you know, a high profile comes into the store or somebody that they work with comes into the store. And even though that person might be under the radar, they have a great amount of communication with those high profiles. And you need to treat everyone with respect because you don't know who they're connected with and who they might be able to refer you to. So that's really how we've gotten to know some of these people is just by having these situations where 
there's just a normal person that comes into the store and they're like, wow, you treated me so well. I have to introduce you to so-and-so. I work with X, Y, and Z person. And then once you get to that place, that's when you can really be doing those spectacular things. And you have to understand the person. A high-profile individual might not want to be seen in the store buying luxury goods from you. So you have to maybe go on their schedule and open up the store, bring your staff in and provide them with that experience that you know nobody in a traditional store that's not an owner operator can really give them. So that's really key is just understanding what their needs are and how you can best service them. That's really powerful. I think that um, not everyone can present themselves at 100% all the time, nor do people want to. <laughs> so just treating people as people and honoring that is, I think that's the secret sauce to life. And clearly the success that you've had with your family business and your and your current business is a testament to that. How long did you ideate on Crystal before making the first move to creating about three, the product? About three weeks when my staff uh, had said to us like, hey, we can't do our jobs anymore without this product. You have to keep building it. We were like, you know, the light bulb went off. That's what you're looking for when you're going about these products. And to slap together the first version was really easy. It was really straightforward. Simple iPhone app, like no convenient features within it that like we're used to. Um, and they just needed it so badly. And it, it changed the way the sales process went because previously, if you're looking for a watch, you would go, you know, you would be at the case and we have four locations. So the product might be in a different store and they would have to go get their computer, log into a remote desktop, try to parse through like pricing and descriptions that are all different. And, you know, when we had done the, the change in how we do inventory management, more like a product catalog, that process stayed on the floor. And you kept that conversation going with the client instead of having to break it up, go to a computer, sit down, change the environment, or even go as far as, you know, I'll follow up with you later today. And the person leaves the store. That's never something you want to do in a sales process. And so we shifted so much of that and it changed how they were selling. And it just was a huge improvement. And that's when we knew we had to come up with a full solution. Full solution. How quickly did you notice a difference in numbers in the ROI once you implemented yeah, I Crystal? Mean, I would say it's difficult to quantify the numbers, but you can definitely, we definitely saw an improvement in the conversions on the floor. And that was like right away. So three, four weeks, you know, as those processes didn't get broken up, you know, you were still just able to get things done faster, which made you convert more deals. Um, but it was difficult to track because at the same time, we were getting that upswing of the market in general. So it, it was it's difficult to break out. Okay. This is from crystal and this is from the market, but still a huge uptick. Yeah. So, everything in luxury was going up. So I love that for you. Yeah. Um, um, so you sell a product and it's a system and it helps jewelry stores run their businesses. But I'm also curious as to the systems that you at crystal internally use to keep everything running. Yeah. So, I mean, I think adding process is something that we've been doing a lot. We just, as I mentioned, added a lot of engineering process and it's typical um, practices that a lot of tech companies will use to 
basically run in sprints um, and do agile development. So, you know, as we were building that team, we wanted to make sure that all the engineers that we were hiring were at least in early stage series A minimum series A companies. Seed stage is much better, but most people don't get involved in seed stages because the companies are so small at that point. Um, but we wanted to make sure as well that they were familiar with agile. A lot of companies, larger companies will work in waterfall development, and that's just not conducive to the type of development that we do. And so when we were setting up those teams, just having that experience was definitely key with the team members. And then now as we basically departmentalize the company with marketing, sales, um, customer success, and um, product, you know, and implementation, what we're doing is first you have to get through the process, document everything that has to happen, and then start optimizing from it. So what I think so many people want to do is they set up process right out the gate. And what you need to first do is just get the, the you know, get over the finish line once, figure out the steps that are involved, and then from there, optimize and keep improving on your key metrics and how to, how to just get better every day. What do you look for in hiring an employee? So grit. I mean, it's definitely has to be grit. And, you know, a desire, you want someone that wants to be at the company. I went through actually so many people. Um, it's funny for marketing specifically where we had many offers out and they were going back and forth, just resonating on, um, you know, if they wanted to take the position. And ultimately when we got Jared on the team, you know, it was a much more, I'm so excited to be here. And that made all the difference because as we've been going through the process here, Jared's been a great fit to the company. And that's really key is grit and then desire. Um, you can teach someone skills all day long. And so if someone's smart, they want to be there and they're willing to work through the dirt, then that's going to be a key fit. One thing that you mentioned is you want people to be around you that are excited about your, about your company, about your product, how do you maintain and encourage that excitement for your team? I think I'm just energetic, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that, you know, we're doing very exciting things. And, you know, when you see the competition in this space, everybody loves um, that there's the lack thereof, I should say. Um, you know, and our product just excels so much more. And, you know, engineers want their code to run with a lot of users and, you know, uh, people that are involved in different areas of the company, like they want to have impact right away and they do. And that's, I think the enjoyment of a startup, you're with a small team that's crafting this new thing that's going to be, you know, distributed to hopefully a lot of people. And you can really have your own hand in that and be a part of something. And that's what really keeps the enthusiasm alive, I think. How do you maintain a company culture or develop a company culture when you and your employees are remote? Yeah, so I think the most important thing that you have to keep in mind is whatever action you may choose, whether it's like to give someone a raise or whatever equity you might be compensating someone for, is to understand what the other people on the team might think about the decision that you made. Um, because it's not always about the particular ways that you make someone feel on your team, but it's how somebody else in the company is going to view why you made that decision and being clear with everyone about what's happening and why. And so if you, 
do something that's going to make one person happy, but upset another, you shouldn't do that. You should figure out a different way to handle it. When did you learn that lesson? Cause that seems like it comes from a very seasoned place. <laughs> um, I pretty much learned that in the jewelry stores as you know, coming up and managing some of these stores, it, there's definitely people see what other people get or how they're treated. And, you know, it has to start from the beginning. You can't treat someone bad and then expect somebody else to, you know, feel good about themselves, you know? Let's talk about boundaries. How do you create boundaries in your life with, you know, in both settings, in the family business? How did that, how does that look? And then also in the company that you run, how does, how do boundaries work there? I don't really have boundaries. <laughs> I don't have do like tell. a, uh, do tell. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really have a, um, you know, work-life balance and I never have, I've been a jeweler really since birth. I mean, it's just ingrained in me. You can't take it away. And now I've been doing software for so long. It seems, you know, it's my entire professional career. It's a part of me just as much as the jewelry and you can't turn it off. I'm never going to not think about product. I'm never going to not think about a new software idea. It's just really like fundamentally who I am. And so I think what, instead of like turning things off or breaking down boundaries, there's more just a sense of like, this is who I am. And there's other things that are important too. And, you know, working out and having a balanced diet, like that's part of who I am as well. And so like, I think mixing it all together is what makes me really satisfied in my day to day. If I go to the gym, I'm still thinking about product. I'm not like turning it off and like, okay, I'm going to concentrate on this thing. It's just a part of that experience too. Just like how, you know, the gym and eating is a part of my day to day when I'm working. Have you always had this radical acceptance of yourself or was there a moment in time where you're like, I'm done fighting this. I'm just going to accept myself as I am. Cause it's very refreshing. It's, yeah. it's very refreshing. <laughs> I have to say to hear someone who is such a successful entrepreneur, just be like, this is who I am. Yeah. I mean, I've kind of always been like that. <laughs> I just, it's, you know, it's not worth fighting like to create this system of, this and that, and I need my me time and this time and whatever, just do something that you love. And it, it won't, you won't need me time. Like it's just all the time is me time. This is who I am. I love that. So you mentioned that every day is different, but do you have certain routines that you maintain throughout the week, throughout a season to keep you grounded? I try to, I really want to get back into like a more consistent routine, but it's difficult because we travel so much. Um, and I mean, I think between February and May of this year, I was on 60 some planes. Wow. And it, I was in a different, um, I was traveling every two to three days. And so that was really difficult to maintain even a healthy lifestyle. I was, I lost quite a bit of weight. Um, and so now my, my going forward is as things pick up and I travel a lot to get into something where that I can maintain, you know, my diet, my workout routine, how I work, and just some of those things, my sleeping pattern, which is always different, difficult. Um, but I think that just trying to figure out what works as I work is like kind of a key thing going forward. 
is there a particular busy season for your product or is it just busy all the time? Yeah. So actually I would say Q1 and Q2 is typically busier because that's when we can do migrations because the season for jewelry stores is going to be Q4 and then summers can get quite busy as well. Um, so that's where we tend to do a lot of uh, migrations and implementations. And that's when I was actually at my busiest. We were launching our, you know, the, the five or six clients that we had garnered um, that year. And that's why I was traveling so much. I was traveling for launches. And then I was also traveling for the stores. We were going to Europe for the, the watch show and just doing a lot of different things. And it was taxing. How many clients are in your database now? Right now we have eight or nine clients. Um, and that's really from that initial setup that we had done the testing. And what we're going to be doing going forward is really garnering a lot into 2023 as we formally launch the business. That's awesome. You mentioned when we first met that you are the master of hobbies. So what are some <laughs> of your hobbies? What are some of your interests outside of jewelry and work, even though they aren't things that you necessarily turn off? Yeah. So I have like two types of interests. Some things that I do will be like short-term, um, easy to, to pick up and, and figure out that might have like some unique long-term benefits. So like an example of this is like a Rubik's cube. You can learn a Rubik's cube in about 45 minutes if you watch some YouTube. And then now you can always pick up a Rubik's cube and do one and people like think it's amazing. So like that's something I might pick up. Piano was like a more long-term thing that I've kind of picked up and put down as things got busy. But about three years ago, I started piano. My co-founder is actually amazing at piano and he got me really interested in it. And, you know, so I've been doing that. I, I love to um, play piano when I have time and learn a new piece and, and really just, I guess, impress my friends. You know, they really enjoy when someone can sit down at a piano and play. I think pianos are everywhere and no one's playing them. And it's a really cool thing when you can do that. Um, another thing is scuba diving. I'm a scuba instructor and I try to do that in my free time. And I love to certify my friends um, and just everything that interests me. I try to get down into the weeds and figure it out until, you know, the next thing piques my interest. That's awesome. What does your support system look like? When you say support system. Personal. Personal. Yeah. Um, I would or, say my both. family. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would say my family, like I'm very close with uh, both my parents, uh, my brother and my sister. And, you know, I think we do spend a lot of family time and I've been really trying to um, spend as much time with my parents as I can. They say that after high school, 90% of the time that you'll spend with your parents has been spent. And so I try to um, just keep being around them as much as I can to learn. Um, the, the most I can from them. They got a lot of experience. That's so awesome. Have you always had a close and tight-knit relationship with them? Yeah, definitely. That's so great. Any extended family or just immediate family? You guys are pals. Yeah. I mean, my extended family too, but I don't see them as much. Um, working in the business, like I'm going to see them today. You know, we have a uh, we have a family photo shoot for our magazine that we do today. So, you know, I just, I see it pretty much every day. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I'm so grateful for you to have come on the show. How can we support you and where can we find you? Yeah. So any way that, you know, other jewelers that are looking for inventory management software, send them my way, happy to give them a demo and bring them onto the platform. 
and you can follow me on uh, Instagram, Twitter, um, I think LinkedIn, everywhere. Mike Raz. It's M I K E R A A Z. Um, so feel free to give me a follow, and uh, yeah. That's awesome. Where do you see the next chapter of both your life and Crystal going? You know, I really want to scale the business into moving into our Series A. Um, and once we do that, you know, it'll really be a push to grow this business, uh, you know, bring it to the moon. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so, so much for coming on the show. And we'll talk to each other very soon. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Well, folks, that interview was just incredible. A huge thank you to Michael for coming on the show. Another thank you to our hosts at Dash Radio and producers at Island City Media. If you liked this episode, you can listen to it again on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Please leave a review so we can continue bringing you the people and conversations that you love. Lastly, if you want to connect with me offline, you can find me at MarinCostello.com and MarinCostelloRadio on Instagram. Have a beautiful day, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will see you next week.